Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second installment of the Fast and Furious Finals. I'll be your host today, Patrick. And joining me is my partner, Sitting Shotgun. My name's Jonathan, and I'm hungry. That's right. We hungry today, and that's because we're talking about a very fun installment, the second installment, and that's Too Fast, Too Furious. Too Hungry. Too Hungry. Obviously, one of the most quotable installments of the Fast and Furious series. Uh, can't agree. And we'll be just breaking down the plot and all our little fun observations and little facts and things we learned about it along the way. Too Fast, Too Furious was released on June 6, 2003. And we have a new director uh, in this seat today. We have John Singleton, uh, who you might know from such Academy Award-nominated films as Boys in the Hood mm-hmm. and uh, Higher Learning and 2000 Shaft, starring uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, so, I mean, he comes with a lot of acclaim. And he, he came in this franchise with a, as, like, a very big fan because he was, like, glowing with his praise for the first Fast and Furious. Like, he was actually a little jealous he didn't come up with the idea himself because growing up in uh, L.A., he saw a lot of street racing as a kid and was a big fan of it. So, like, this is very much up his alley, and he wanted to be a big part of this series. Um, we are missing Vin Diesel in this film, and because uh, apparently he was asked to come back, he just he declined. He had other films to make, like Chronicles of Riddick and Triple X. Yeah, and I've I've heard there was a rumor that he read the scripts for this movie and was like, uh, "This is shit," and then left, and then was like, "Nah, I ain't doing this." I, now I will say, I, I that that part is true. I apparently um, years later, looking back, he does sort of regret being so hasty to to bounce because apparently, even though he wasn't as high on the script, he felt like if he had could do it all over, he'd be willing to go ahead with the movie because he felt like there was an obligation to the audience to make it the best movie he could. Yeah. So which which we appreciate that sentiment. Yeah, and I mean, I think he more and well made up for it with the the bullshittery with the rest of the franchise. Yeah, definitely, because um, there, there are a lot of new faces and some old faces as well. We see uh, Paul Walker returning as former cop Brian O'Connor, now street, illegal, miscreant, hoodlum hero guy. Yeah, he, he is a man with a lot of many talents. That's right. And um, what makes this movie a little interesting, because it has a little bit of a prequel Going into the movie, we, there is the Too Fast... What what was that long-ass name for it? It was like the Prelude to Too Fast, Too Furious? Yeah, tur- no, Turbo Charge Prelude to Too Fast, Too Furious. Which is like five, six minutes of like Paul Walker's character wordlessly traveling across from, like, from California to Miami, like just making big bucks by racing in the streets and i just loved like the whole let's just say adobe after effects level like effort put into like the transitions in the in that prequel where it's just like highway signs and map overlays and he's just put putting along oh yeah it it was uh you can tell they did not put the same amount of effort as they did the movie which as we'll get into doesn't look like they put a lot of effort into Man, this movie is something else. It really is. Of course, we'll get into it, but the movie is fun. Don't mistake that for anything. The movie is a lot of fun, but man, does it feel worlds different from the first movie? Oh yeah it it went from like the first movie, which was this you know 
I don't know how to describe it. Not Bonnie and Clyde, but it's this, you know, band of thieves together, you know. Family. It's a family picture. It's a family picture. But uh, it goes from that to basically Miami Vice, like a dollar store ripoff of that. Yeah, well, that... To me, that's another one of the big strange things about Too Fast, Too Furious is that not only do you have like this kind of eighties inspired like buddy cop kind of scenario, which is very indicative and very popular in the eighties, but like this whole movie is just this weird melange of time periods. Yeah, because it it, it while you like you said the eighties like type of Miami Vice type of cop show is present here out of the movies I've seen so far of the, of the, of the franchise. This one is the most like early two thousands cool. And I, I say cool in air quotes. Yeah. Because like to me, d- 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 somehow this feels more aged than the first fast and furious, but that came out in 2000 or excuse me, 2001, because not only do you have the whole like eighties vibe from the plot, you also have this weird 1970s like aesthetic in a lot of the places where they shoot and just sort of like the color palette, which is also very hyper-saturated and just really eye-popping. And also this, this, this weird, can't really put into words, like 90s filter on it. That made yeah. it feel like it's made in like the early to mid-90s. Yeah, and I think part of that just might have to do with them filming, or I don't know if they filmed in Miami, but the the movie is set in Miami. So like the first movie there, like the LA has some grit to it, mm-hmm. but like, like you were saying, like there, there is this sort of like post-processing filter over the entire thing that just feels like mid late nineties hip hop album yeah. type thing. It, somehow it, it, like, like a drug induced saved by the bell or something. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's one of the many weird and idiosyncratic things about this movie, which in in, in one hand is very sort of entertaining and and even endearing, and by other hand, it, it's just one of the many things that just doesn't gel and just sort of weighs the movie down. It, it, it's a weird simultaneous effect. Yeah, but like sort of getting into the movie proper, uh, and tying that into the pre- the turbocharged prelude to Too Fast, Too Furious. Uh, like, honestly, like, I feel like you could have put the prelude as sort of like the opening credits to the movie. Yeah, like the credits overlay, like, obviously, put a little bit more effort into it. But. Oh, obviously, like, not, like, transpose it, like, directly, but, you, you know, something to that effect, and probably nowhere near as long, like, maybe, like, 90 seconds or something like that. Because, you know, obviously, Brian O'Connor, he's a wanted man now for aiding and abetting the Toretto gang. And so he has to get out of Dodge. So, he, so as explained in the prequel, he sort of makes his way to Miami because, like, of course, that's a that's a whole country away, essentially. Allows yeah. him sort of to lay low. And, and it's not like the audience can't figure out how, like, or, or just sort of fill in the gaps of, like, okay, he, when he left L.A., he came here sort of thing, but I, I don't know. I feel like that would be like a little extra detail that would sort of added. It, it, it would really add that bridge from the first to the second movie. Mm-hmm. That's just not there in the theatrical, I say theatrical release. Like there's an extended version, but yeah, 
but uh, he's in a new town, but he has a, he still has his old habit. So he's still very much into the illegal street racing gang. So we see a new lineup of characters at the start of a, a racing line. We have we have the we have the ringleader of the operation. We have Tej, played by Ludacris, his debut in the series as like big Afro man and like into in a mechanics jumpsuit, and he's taking money and he's t- and he's catching winks from everybody around. And we see the, the the colorful lineup of racers. We have uh, Orange Julius, of just like this flirtatious Hispanic character. And, and, and before you continue, like the names of like the characters in the race to begin with, feel like what a white person thinks is gangster. Yeah, like I don't know who came up with these, and like because you got like Orange Julius, then. Uh, what was the other slapjack? Slapjack. I was like Jesus Michael fuck. Ely's character, who's just like this quasi henpet racer in the game. Yeah, and then we have um, Devin Aoki, who is the the cutesy, hot. I guess the fan service character for the movie. Well, she's like she's still a really cool character, but I kind of feel like she's relegated to like eye candy more or less. Yeah, and. and- I don't know. In much of the race that we're going to get to, she's sort of relegated to the back. Yeah. Which, uh, like, it, it's later, you know, throughout the race, you see, oh, yeah, she's actually a very capable driver. It's 2003. <laughs> so, like, it's 2003, and plus, you know, considering, I guess, what may be the target audience, I don't know if. If we're in the position for strong female protagonists just yet. Just yet. They can't show up the men just yet. Just yet. And, and, and same as the last movie, God, beauty standards for women back then. I felt so bad for them because they needed a goddamn Big Mac. Because, like, every woman in the movie is just worryingly thin. I'm afraid, like, a breeze is going to blow by and knock them into the street. Yeah, and it's not like... It's and it's an unhealthy type of thin too, where you feel like, oh, this is just because Hollywood pressure is put on them, mm-hmm. and it's like, ugh, 2003, I guess. It was, it was, it was certainly a year, wasn't it? We invaded Iraq. <laughs> you, it, you know, it was it was a fucking swell time. A, a lot of things happened, but 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 what, what but what to do? We have three racers. We need one more. So Ted calls up his uh, old pal Brian O'Connor, and he. Brings this slick new ride into the to the starting line and uh, his neon skyline. I think so. Yeah, where like I, I was reading up on it and they said that you know, that car wasn't released in the states for like legal reasons. Yeah. So he like that. That's why Brian O'Connor's character when he's driving that car is on like technically like the wrong side in America sense. Like it's on the passenger side. Yeah. Because I made the joke, it's like, Brian, you're driving on the wrong side of the car. Yeah. But, but I do remember hearing that they had to kind of disguise the car when they were bringing it over. Oh, fuck. Because like it was like a, it was a very early model, and it wasn't supposed to be widely released, so it had to kind of like use some subterfuge to get it across the pond. <laughs> so uh, they, they, they hit the ground running, they, they head off onto the, uh, the streets, and... You see, like all you just see the the banter between all the racers. But what makes the banter so weird? It feels like they are all filmed separately, and they just had like these random like quips that they just sort of threw together. Like it almost feels like it doesn't even match 
what's going on in a way. Yeah. This feels lo- very disjointed. Yeah, a lot of it, like you said, feels very disjointed. Uh, and and this is just sort of something that is, I don't want to say a problem because it leads to like some great moments unintentionally. But uh, a lot of this movie does feel improv like a lot of scenes feel very improv heavy well i know john singleton he did give the cast like a lot of room to ad lib so that might be an explanation for it he's like he, he gave him a lot of freedom yeah and, and some characters are better than others but none of them are robin williams let's just say yeah, that they, you know not, not everybody can just uh Pick it up and drop it down as easy as some others can. Like we said, there's a, there's a lot of you know twists and turns in the in the, in the rate, and probably we get to one of the, the first hot quote of the night. Oh my god! Yeah, where there, there's there's a Tej has a big finale for the race. He uh he he and his boys they break into the drawbridge and they raise the bridge. So it's up to the racers to make that last jump to get back to the finish line. And one racer bows out. He's like, "Fuck this shit." And so, um, Mr. Orange Julius, yeah, he's a punk. You can't risk his car. So, um, Paul Walker, uh, Brian O'Connor, and then uh, Slapjack, they're they're the ones that hate the bridge first. And then somehow Brian just overtakes his car in the air, like over the top of it. Yeah, because Brian O'Connor, he's saving his fucking NOS for that final stretch. Fucking Slapjack, NOS too early. He permanently prematurely inoculated so he like he they both hit but uh he his car spirals out and crawl and lands into the product placement board pepsi and just like, eat shit <laughs> yeah and the, and that's also to talk about like even more so than the last movie there's a lot of really dated cg with a lot of the cars yeah because like throughout the race you see like it'll cut to like these cg cars just like pedaling ahead of each other one just like back and forth but seemed just seemed like an odd touch and then you, whenever they go like into nice mode they has like this almost monian falcon like hyperspace like blur yeah they like visibly like pull back in their seats and it's like a cartoon like they're being like pressed into the back of their their headrest yeah and, and like some of the shots i feel like would make sense why you would use CG. It would look cooler if it was practical, but, you know, for safety reasons, I get. Because there were, like, a lot of, like, really tight turns these cars were making, and you you could really tell it was CG, which I think lends to the, the more dated aspects of this movie. Mm-hmm. Or the, at least how it feels more dated. You definitely feel that. Uh, but as Paul Walker lands and he crosses the bridge, uh, Suki's Devanaki's uh, character is right behind him. She notches herself over the bridge. First hotline of night, smack that ass. Smack that ass. Unprompted. Just A- apropos of nothing, really. <laughs> it's like I said earlier, where I feel like these characters' names feel like they were created by some white dude who thought that was gangster. I feel like this was created by some like middle-aged white dude who thought this was hip and cool. I would like to see what the writers' room looked like. It's just like John Singleton. He's at the head of the table. Then like, there's at least three or four like I would say like Jamie Kennedy level of just like white rapper kind of people. And, and at the head of the table is just one of those 
like cigar smoking executive types. And it's like, what if we call the guy Slapjack? Son, I like the way you think. <laughs> we gonna put that in. And, and he's just like over stirring a glass of whiskey in the other hand, just like it's just splashing everybody. Mm-hmm. And so she crash, so she crash lands her car. Her, her tail is all broken up, and she speeds away as the, as the second place winner. And a cool bit I I thought was interesting is that Paul Walker did a lot of his own driving stunts in the movie, like that the scene where he power slides to the finish line in front of all the people. That's something he genuinely did. Oh, okay. Because he's a very skilled driver and he was like he kind of really wanted to show what he was able to do and that was just one of the many feats he was able to accomplish in the movie yeah i, I knew he was like really into like this like sports cars and racing and stuff like that but it was really cool uh well interest an interesting thing i read about the whole race sequence that um apparently john singleton took a lot of inspiration for this race from anime actually i can see it so apparently, um, anime and Gran Turismo were were his um, inspirations for the, the the first race in the movie. Okay, they, very appropriate because you have like a very anime. Because like Suki being like she's the cute Japanese girl. She her even her little hood, I guess, on her car had like a little kawaii desk anime girl in it. Yeah, and she has her hot pink uh, hot girl car. And, and like even more so than the first movie, like and mostly this race, it feels like every racer is a fucking Power Ranger because they have this very, very stark, bright neon color that represents them. And like they also have like a very like exaggerated personality. Yeah, that to sort of match that whatever they think that color represents. So uh, just imagine that Power Rangers Turbo had like a Fast and Furious cut. Yeah. So, so whenever uh, like the evil bad guy, the the cocaine lord, uh, starts wrecking up the city, all the cars like like race into each other and just form a megazord. Which by Fast Ten, if we don't get a fucking Gundam in this shit, I'm going to fucking riot. We better go to space, and I better see a fucking car robot. Yeah, like even though vehicle Voltron suck, don't make it cool. For real, give me. Fucking Megazords, damn it. Now, see, what a side bit that I like that what I think is going to unintentionally and intentionally happen with this series is that John and I are going to, like, fantasy book, final, uh, god damn it, I keep <laughs> saying Final Fantasy X, fantasy book, Fast and Furious X, like, what will be the epic finale? We already, we already have the bad guy, that's Dom's long-lost dad. And uh, there's gonna there's gonna be a Megazord formation in the movie as well. We'll just we'll just cut together all our fancy books and make it one extra episode at the end. Hell yes. So of course Brian is the winner. He gets all, he gets that fat stack of cash, and then of course you see Ludacris make some oblique car reference to uh, fucking. Yeah, when he walks up to uh, Suki's. It's like something about, hey, I need to fix that front end or something like that. Yeah, you need to come by, uh, bring bring that body by the garage so I can check the front end. Yeah, and she's like, well, you don't have the right tools. <laughs> it's like, are they talking about fucking? I don't know. Is this what they call a double entendres? Entendre, oh my gosh. But meanwhile, like before and after this race, uh, Ava Mendez is in the crowd. And they they make a point to be like, here's Ava Mendez. It's like look at a- look at Ava Mendez. She's important to the plot. Spoiler alert: she's really not. 
Uh, honestly, she's kind of not. <laughs> she's just there. <laughs> I'm sure she paid. She got paid very well for this role. So yeah, everything seems good and dandy, and then the fucking Popo shows up. Uh oh. Then Rhino Connor is on the other end of the law, and he gets scooped up and carried away to the Miami Vice headquarters. But you are forgetting a very important detail about this, where. How they catch Brian O'Connor with it's, with their fucking sci-fi EMP bazooka grappling gun thing? Yeah, like that. That is such a weird thing that happens in this movie. Just like this, extra, like literally, like it looks like a Nerf gun that shoots like a claw machine, a claw toy machine claw out the front that fries all the circuitry in the car. Yeah, and it looks like something out of a cyberpunk setting. So you're. It's like present day 2003 Miami, and you're just seeing them whip out this like fucking sci-fi weapon. And with like, there's no explanation as to why this is here. And it's like cars are so high tech; they have these mecha guns to compete. Yeah, and, and like at first, just like okay, like you know, this is like the federal government. This is the feds, you know. They probably have access to this shit. But then, like, the end of the movie in the big chase, the fucking, like, regular Miami Popo fucking have these things. I don't know. All all I'm saying is defund the police. For real, because, like, they have sci-fi weapons now, too. So fuck that shit. This is what they mean when they say the militarization of the police. It's bad. Yeah, But all joking aside, it's really bad. Defund the police. Fuck them. defund the police. So, Brian's at the police, and he's getting yep. grilled, and we see uh, his old commanding officer, uh, Bilkins, come in and sort of like, hey, man, uh, I got a little situation you might be able to help with. Yeah, and uh, it looks like, what is the uh, fucking organization? It's it's like the customs yeah. agency led by Dexter Morgan's dad. I don't know who the <laughs> actor's name is or the character. But I think his name. Was, I think the character's name is Markham. Not that it's very important. <laughs> no, because, I mean, he's just kind of your typical, like, hard-ass federal officer dude. Yeah, like the, the hard-ass, like, lead agent who just makes everybody's job that much more difficult. Yeah, and, I mean, he does some, like, really stupid shit later in the movie, but I couldn't help but just think, like, Dexter, you gotta live to your code. Do not kill. Yes, Dad, I will not kill. Even though I really want to, I want to fucking kill him. Oh my god! It's like I didn't know we were getting Dexter spoilers. Yes, for the premise of the show. <laughs> I was going blind. God damn it! No, you don't. Don't don't watch it. It's a waste of time. There's like three good seasons, and then the rest of it's poo poo. Well, I feel like HBO has a bad track record of having long-running shows that the first three are probably solid and the rest are really questionable. That's actually showtime. Uh-oh. But HBO does have that problem. Whoops. Does that mean we should arrest uh, George R. R. Martin, too? No, but we should arrest D&D because they're fucking hacks. Uh-oh. And that's why they'll never get Star Wars, so fuck them. F- fuck them. Well, speaking of getting fucked, there's a bad guy they have to try to catch. Is this, uh, uh, well, I don't know his name because he's that memorable of a bad guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, like I said, this movie is not, like, technically great. But of all the things that of this movie that are just, like, bad but not in the fun way, it's this fucking villain guy because he's so, like, generic. 
Carter Verone. That was Carter Verone. Yeah, and he, he's just like this white guy playing a Mexican drug lord. He's trying to do his best, Tony Montana. Yeah, but he's but he comes off as threatening as a dumbass who's watched Scarface too many times and beat off to it, and suddenly he thinks he's the hardest guy in town. Yeah, you, you, it's hard to buy that this guy is a threat. He just he just looks like some rich asshole. <laughs> And, and maybe that's why he's a threat because he's just a fucking rich asshole. So, but the whole thing is, he's got a lot of drugs and a lot of bad news uh, circling around Miami. So they need to find a way to get into his organization and stop him. And it turns out he's looking for drivers. So initially, they're like, Brian, you're hooking up with this guy, this uh, uh, Chud, Agent Chud McDunn over here. <laughs> And uh, he's he's just a simple tenant, just kind of like, uh, yes, sir, no, sir, and just drinking this fat-ass big gulp the whole fucking meeting. Yeah, which I feel like the only reason that was there was for the the shitty one-liner Paul Walker gives. Because he's like, because they're like, okay, you're going to be partnered with this guy. And the guy's like, all right. And he walks up to him, he's like, for my Nissan Skyline, should I put in a Gallo 24 or a Gallo 12? And the guy's like, uh, 24? And what does Paul... Paul Walker says something stupid. It's like, like, I didn't know Pizza Place sold auto parts. Because <laughs> yeah. the, the gag was the guy was so unobservant, he didn't realize that Gallows was the name of the Pizza Place he went to. So he knows jack shit about cars and jack shit about his his own personal day. Yeah. So he just gets to rub... But but he needs someone more competent, someone who knows cars and knows how to drive. And that's when we go to Barstow, baby. To to a demolition derby rodeo. Yes. And we're introduced to the co-lead and obviously like a really good addition to their franchise, and that's uh Tyrese uh Gibson. Yeah, and I mean him and Ludacris are the best things about this movie. I mean, Ludacris is not in the movie that much, but like Tyrese is like legitimately great and like legitimately funny. Because uh, you, you can you can really tell that those who were given the leeway to ad lib, like Tyrese, he obviously excels in just like going off the mouth and just like having some really good content. And, and the people who aren't really big on this entry, they always praised the banter between Paul Walker and Tyrese Gibbon. Exactly. And, and even, like, the unintentionally funny moments are still charming because you you buy the chemistry between these two guys. You feel like they have been, or they were at least friends at one point. Yeah. You know, whereas, like, anyone in Ava Mendez in this movie. Yeah, so just someone who looks pretty but kind of relegated to just sort of standing around. Yeah, like she just kind of stands there the entire movie, but they're all worried about has she turned? Because has uh, she turned? Because she, she's an undercover cop. Because she because she infiltrated uh, Verone's organization, so she's like in bed, so she knows like all the the deep down dirty stuff, and she's tr- literally and figuratively. Yes, because uh, she's uh, very deep undercover, so she knows how to get to get the guys in. But we just need to convince uh, Tyrese Gibson's character to actually participate in this because he has a grudge against uh paul walker's character and that's because uh he got he got locked up for a few years and he and he thinks it's because uh paul walker's character ditched him yeah because it was like a few months after uh brian o'connor became a 
police officer. So he was like, you said, not that he set him up, but sort of like, you, you didn't protect me, you didn't help me when I got picked up. So that sort of thing. Yeah. So they have a big brawl in a dusty, dirty sandlot. <laughs> where where Brian tells the uh, his FBI handler, he's like, whatever happens, just let it happen. <laughs> and the guy... <laughs> And the FBI's Andrew was like, I was just going to let that happen anyway. What the fuck you thinking? So he just gets clocked across the face and have this this weird quasi-MMA <laughs> throw down in the dirt. You just see Joe Rogan in the back. It's like, hey, man, have, have you seen this jujitsu? God. Hey, it, man, hey, man, have y'all tried DMT? <laughs> Jesus Christ, shut up. Have you tried DMT while doing jujitsu? <laughs> uh, that's an t- awful, terrible person. <laughs> Jesus. Ayahuasca while doing DMT while doing jujitsu. Okay, that sounds like a great way to shit your pants. <laughs> there's, there's a very trepidatious alliance that's been formed. Roman Pierce, Tyrus Gibson's character, uh, he decides reluctantly to go along with the organization, with the plan, because Customs needs two badass drivers to, to win uh, Verone's favor and become his courier to get all of his drugs. And so we, I'd be the way in. Yeah, and at this point, he's on house arrest, so the ang- his angle with the whole thing is like, okay, you get this ankle off of me, and you wipe my record, then we're cool, I'll do this for you. But a- another just like funny aspect about this movie is just random continuity errors, where like the FBI guy, in, in like the-, the previous parts of the scene, does not have a bag of popcorn, but then he, but then it like cuts away for a few minutes, and then cuts back to him, and he just has a bag of popcorn. And so it, it was because they were at the rodeo. But I don't remember him having a bag. He, maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. M- maybe or, or he. Did, I feel like he didn't have it when they're walking out and when they met Pierce. And then the, when he goes to sit down at Pierce's mobile home outside of the rodeo derby, he's just marching away on popcorn. And our joke was. People are eating a really a whole lot in this movie, and a lot of it's just like it just show, it, they're just all, all of a sudden eating. So our th- thought was, well, obviously they just picked it off the floor and started munching. I, I mean, that's the because and the thing is, this is not the only time that happens. We we noticed this like two or three other times <laughs> where it will cut back to a character who just magically has food in their hand. So because Ty, uh, <laughs> Tyrese Gibson's. Uh, I guess unintentional catchphrase in the movie is "We hungry," and evidently that's more true than they realize. Oh yes. So they explain the situation to Roman Pierce, and they finally get to a uh, generic bad guy's place, his little Miami villa, and he gives. And then there's just like this random assortment of uh, degenerates. That they're having to race against, like one, it looks like a greasy Italian guy. Yeah, like he just looks like this stereotypical, like middle-aged dude who wants to look tough, so he has like this Ed Hardy bullshit on, and his like gross friend are just like towering over everybody. Yeah, who looks like he he belongs in like a Godsmack cover band. <laughs> and so they're they're at, they're at the the Miami Vice Villa, and then. Receive Verone for the first time. He lets everybody know, hey, if you get to my secret uh, impounded car and get the thing inside, we'll, we'll let y'all be my courier. So everybody takes off running and gets to their car and has this big chase down the highway to get to Verone's impounded car. And you see just uh, the zip zopping around 
everybody sort of like showing off and like and pissing off everybody, which in in actually leads to like the first major death in the movie. That is uncharacter. Like there are some just some like really like gruesome and just brutal parts to this movie because like the rest of it's like pretty like cartoony and fun and you know PG thirteen, and then there's just these like brief bits of brutality. It's like. What the fuck did I just stumble into? Because like, because it, it, it happened so suddenly, and it's not major. Like, oh, this is a major character. It's just like it's a a big over the top death. Because Brian and and um, Roman, they're they're trying to get away from all the bad guy cars. And one bad guy car, he gets caught in the middle of two semis, and he's trying to wiggle his way out, and and inevitably gets kind of pushed underneath the back tires of that semi and just gets fucking mashed and killed like like a son of a bitch. Mark then, McGra- he looks like Martha McGrath. He got fucked up. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then and then another car slams into the debris. That person eats shit. And well, what I did find out was that whole <coughs> bit of the red car like getting run underneath the uh, the semi, that was a legit accident. Then it uh, John Tinklin just kept the footage in. I, I take it there was no one in the car. No, there wasn't an actual death, but like that car being destroyed was not planned. They just they decided to keep the footage. Which I, I mean, it, it's fucking gnarly. <laughs> and also, apparently, this movie follows Star Trek rules. So, red car, red shirt, first to die, dead. And and and, and meanwhile, like while guys are literally getting eviscerated by semi trucks. Like, Brian and Roman, they're, like, doing these, like, car tricks. Like, Brian, like, flips his car around, is driving in reverse. And they're but, flipping each other off. So, like, just, like, no mind of danger, really. Like, all these people are literally trying to kill them on the road. And they're just like, ha-ha, fuck you, bro. It's like, whatever, cuh. And they're just, like, <laughs> driving backwards and just, like, what does this all mean? It's... <laughs> Just For real. no concept of self-preservation. Uh, not to mention, like, that car would not be going that fast in reverse. Like, And, and then there's, like, a moment before this with Bri- Brian O'Connor's character, Brian O'Connor and Ava Mendez's character, where he does, like, he, like, stares at her while driving really fast and then stops at the stoplight. Because that, that was when they were first getting to Miami, just thinking of just... If you thought they were flagrant and and they're against the rules of the road in their first movie, they, they're like a whole other level in this one. Just like, don't give a fuck. Because like you said, they're having like this weird, like, sexy game of chicken in the car. Because they're like making direct eye contact to each other. He's just like flooring it the whole time. And then he's like, stops dead on a dime. And, and then Tyrese pulls up next to him. And is like, he pulled that, the staring at you while he's driving trick. I taught him that. Stay with my game, so they they, they blow through the uh, the impound lot. Paul Blart is just like oh, I ain't fucking with that. <laughs> Paul Blart, because, yeah, because like the uh, oh, the yeah, big dumpy security guards is just like at Paul Blart. Yeah, yeah, because they like run through the gate and he's just like fuck this shit. And so they get there, uh, and and they get it's like this little red car, and they get out, and you know they're they're doing their like Chad strut, <laughs> <laughs> just like they're just like chest. Out, just like just sticking their pecs out, swinging their shoulders back, and, and then fucking Tyrese just takes off his shirt, 
to see his like just fucking amazing pectoral of the abs. Just like ripped abs. He's you know, got way better abs than Paul Walker does in this movie. Yeah, and, and initially you're just like, wait, why? Why? Why are you taking your shirt off, my guy? And then he wraps it in his wraps uh, the shirt in. Uh, he wraps it around his hand to bust out the window. And, but then the, it turns out the door is unlocked. So literally, it was just to show his abs. <laughs> Just to show how extra Tyrese Gibson is in the movie. Yeah, so they they get the package, and then the other guys pull up, and they're like, uh, and the other guys are like, "Fuck it, we're." They pull out their Glocks, they're ready to shoot them, and then guess who shows up? But the cops. The cops. And just like, why the cops here? The fucking hard ass cop is. He's trying to muck everything up, and then. Uh, is this where Roman just pulls out his own Glock and starts like firing around everywhere? Oh, he's, he's firing at the police cars, and he's, he's just like, "Fuck it, a cab." <laughs> so the so the pops so like the, the the cops drive off and the bad guys drive off, and because the and the reason the cops show up is because the cops think they're running off, with, like even though it's like you know they got. I don't know. You know, you, you know they have to play the part in order for them to get into the business right and, and i say that that doesn't make sense but that is cop logic like i f- like fucking cops would do that shit so they they so they have pr- the prize in the hand they, they go back to the fucking villain house and it's like oh um th- thanks for my uh picking up my little prize and it was just like his fucking stogie like his fucking bougie ass like cigar cutter cutter and container because he's just that fucking rich and, and when, while they're at the table, of course, you know, everybody's making eyes at uh, Eva Mendez. And something I thought was funny, the whole time, every time Brian gets a little, like, bedroom eyes at uh, Eva Mendez, like, uh, Roman immediately gets jealous. Yeah, like, like when they're walking to the table to meet with bad guy dude, like, like Tyrese is just like, hey, man, you checking her out. I ain't checking her out. Yeah, you're checking her out. I ain't checking her out. You're checking her out. You're looking at her ass, my dude. I'm not looking at her ass. What do you mean? You're looking at her ass. I, I don't know what you're talking about. That, that and just a whole bit because, like, literally every time it, it just it's like this weird dueling thing that goes on to the whole movie. Like he's just like, man, that's my bro. Don't we can't be checking nobody out. <laughs> yeah, it, it, because it, there, there's no gay subtext between Paul Walker and Vin Diesel, so they need gay subtext between the the other the new lead. I, I mean. I'm just saying, I buy it. Buy it much more than him and Ava Mendez. Just yes, saying. so yeah, we just have a the cardboard cut out of a of a girlfriend. So, god damn it, give us more gay intrigue in these action movies. God damn it, <laughs> they fucking took the uh, took notes from the J.R.R. Tolkien way to write, dude, bros. <laughs> so they they succeeded in getting the cigar back. And now they now they're kind of they're kind of in they 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 want his approval his notice but I think it's time to move on to a bigger job and so like how do they really move on from here Yeah so you know then they go back to the you know the FBI and customs safe house and you know of course there's a big kerfuffle because you know Dexter's dad and Tyrese you know they're like. It's like, why do you shoot at us? You, well, why the fuck did you show up? And blah blah blah. And you're gonna blow our cover, dude. And, and and you know, and Paul Walker's like, dude, he shot you to save you. <laughs> and Tyrese is like, fuck you. I'm eating your burrito. He's like, that's mine. Yeah, point. He just like dead ass eye contact and just starts um, chowing down. Yeah, and this is already after the 
the fact that Tyrese has been saying, I'm hungry, like, five times. Because <laughs> he said it during the whole conversation with him and bad with them and the bad guy table. And then he's just like, fucking, I'm eating this fucking burrito. <laughs> and cause, cause after this, it kind of like, this is where it kind of gets like the events get jumbled in my mind. Cause there, there's like another race. Yeah. Because they, they realize that FBI's keep is screwing with them because like, or, or they're just getting in their way. They won't let them do what they need to do. And then they realize the FBI is keeping tabs on us with GPS in our cars. So we need to do what we need to do without them getting caught underfoot. So we need to find a way to either get the GPSs out. But good thing, we know a guy in town that works on high-end cars. So they go to Tessie's Garage on the on a Riverside Villa? Yeah, while they're like having ski like jet ski races. Yeah, yeah, like I feel like this movie keeps teasing like a waterbound version of a Fast and Furious video because like when they're coming into town, there's a big, big shot of a jet of like a speedboat, and then they're having jet ski races. So where's <laughs> where's the the water sports edition of Fast and Furious? I'm sure at one point we're going to get a fucking submarine. <laughs> so like it's coming, and and the, uh, when they go to see Chez, there, there's this. <laughs> juxtaposition between two shots that is just unintentionally amazing uh so we're seeing this jet ski race and seeing this guy fucking eat shit he falls off and he's like tumbling on the surface of the water jump like hard jump cut to just ass <laughs> just like this girl's like her whole ass as she's turning over to tan and <laughs> It's it's a it's an amazing uh it's an amazing choice of editing just like some guy probably breaks his neck going ninety miles per hour and you just see ass <laughs> the Kuleshov effect in motion because what is the what meaning do you derive from the juxtaposition between these two shots life and death <laughs> because the, obviously it's the death of this racer. <coughs> Yeah, because like, like when I say he eats shit, he, he eats fucking shit. And then, of course, um, uh, ass is life. I guess. And w- which is like sidebar here. It's like th- that's another sort of technical issue with the movie. It's just like really weird editing choice and just like yeah. just hard sudden cuts. Yeah, it's real. Like the thing, the thing with editing is good editing editing is usually editing you don't notice it's sort of like a like sound design it, yes. it you know sort of like once you start noticing usually that's when it's like oh this is not good and so there's a lot of like weird jarring cuts that um they they're just not like i don't know how to describe not like incongruous with each other yeah like that's just, that's just like one of the hallmarks of the movie that really set it aside from the first one because we're not going to sit here and say the first Fast and Furious is like a, it was cinema, cinema. But like it, it, it feels there's just so much about Too Fast that's just noticeably different from the first one. Yeah, and and like less than competent editing is one of them. And I think that's another thing that leads to just how dated this movie feels on top of just like the CG, the overall color palette and yeah. and the fucking bizarre editing choices. But th- so they, you know, Tej's guy 
his this little Asian guy who apparently was like an, a very prominent Asian rapper at the time. Really? Yeah, I, I forgot his name, but um, looks at at the cars. It's like, yeah, these guys are these things are just fucking bugged to hell and back. So we we need to find a way to get good good fast cars. But I will say before we move to the next scene, I did think I did think it was a funny bit because like Suki, she's part of the gang, so she's hanging out and she's drawing her car. It, Roman's like, "Oh man, that's a that's a really good drawing." And I'm thinking like, "Hey girl, can you draw me?" And she just draws a car with his face on it. <laughs> You honk the horn and it just says, we hungry, we hungry. <laughs> but. <laughs> God, I just, I just, it's like fucking Thomas the Tank Kitchen with fucking Tyrese Kitchen. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but like because the CG is so, just so low tier, it's like JJ the jet plane. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> God, this fucking chimera is freaking me the fuck out. Uh, and well, you, well, d- d- you you saying uh, their mechanic was was a a rapper, like a, a kind of like a, a a name rapper. Ludacris was actually a a pretty small name until this movie. Really, I he, thought he had already. Well, he wasn't unknown, but he did he didn't have his presence like he does now. I mean, like he had like his hot song "Move, Bitch," but when this when this movie came out what some people say that song got him into the movie in a certain respect but because they they were going to try to get Giroud back but uh he said he was too big for the role he was too big for Fast and Furious look at you now Giroud <laughs> you're mispronouncing Mediterranean cuisine for a mom and pop shop so but you know oh how the mighty have fallen <laughs> yeah because I really feel like this movie helped raise Ludacris up yeah, I mean, and the the theme song for the movie is really good. Yeah, because he, he lent a lot of his music to the soundtrack for the movie. And, you know, Ludacris is still a very well-known name today. And we keep getting these little snippets of, like, a mysterious backstory for Tess's character, like... Oh, he used to, he used to be in the racing game, but he but he had a bad crash, so he's just he's just on the he's just taking the money now. And there might be a bit more to his stories. We'll find out later as he becomes world class hacker. World class hacker. But in this movie, he's just like a awesome mechanic, and I guess all sorts of race um, Booker. Yeah, like like he like he's. Basically, he he's the go-to guy for any sort of like like non-deadly illegal activity. Like I imagine, if the movie was longer, it would cut back to him again. But instead of ski like jet skis, he'd just be doing horse races. And, and you know, instead of everybody in like fucking bikinis and you know the boobies hanging out, they're just like in Victorian garb with giant fans. It's just like it's just it's just like smash cuts to like like. Girls with like their big Sunday hats on. Yeah, Tish, what are you doing, man? I just got to make money. <laughs> like he, like he has, he has his his weeds and everything. Who's got money on sea bitch titties? <laughs> so yeah, um, they, they they go for another race, and and who do they try to con out of the cars? But the Boomer Doomer trio, uh, Mister Greasy Italian Guy and Godsmack. And so they they have a midnight race to sort of jack their cars because of course these these two illicit, uh, illicit drivers they're going to have fast muscle cars so that's what they try to do. 
Yeah, and, and it's like, oh no, they got American muscle. They're we're not going to be able to beat that. And, you know, it's movie. They beat them using the power of uh, plot. <laughs> the power of plot and uh, nos nos. You, you can you can guarantee that every time someone uses nos that we scream it <laughs> in the house when we're watching. Like I said, you just take shots every time they say family. Every time they use nos. I mean. You would have to get your stomach pumped. Every time there's just a gratuitous ass shot. Yeah. Anytime Tyrese Gibson says we hungry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean. Now, in this movie, they don't they don't really say family. At least not like the way Vin Diesel does in the rest of the series. Unfortunately not. It's not, there's, 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 there's not high in the family. Well, I, that, that's why this movie is objectively worse, Pat. God, God. We need more family. 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 So, of course, the... The good fellas, they, they they procure the cars. They get ready to move on to the next part of their big scheme. But before they can really uh, set into motion their plan, the bad guy's plan sort starts to take precedent. And so he invites the duo out for a night, a night on the town. Yeah, so they go to this club that looks like it's in this gymnasium that's souped up to be a 60s go-go parlor. Yeah, like, there's like a lot, of, a lot of orange and white and just very... Again, weird, dated aesthetics. So that they walk in the door, and it leads to line number three of just top ten quotes of all time. And so you see, um, Tyrese and 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 Paul, they're 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 in the club to see like just like all the dancing and all the cool people, and you see like just a, a whole swath of just like gorgeous women having a good time, which leads to the the, the aforementioned amazing quote. It's a oasis in here. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Perfect. And then sort of Ava Mentes shows up as the attache for Verone, and she sort of leads the gang through the through the club. And, of course, Tyrese is instantly mad because, like, his bro is uh, not paying him any mind. Yeah, so, you know, uh, eventually old uh, uh, discount store Tony Montana calls him over and... Has them sit in three distinct chairs that are really fucking tall. Yeah, like they're, they're couches, but they have like the backs of the couches are like 10 feet tall. Like, unex- like not exaggerating, like literally 10 feet tall. And and so he ends up, uh, he's like, you see that lady over there? And you see this lady schmoozing up on this like fat, greasy guy. And he's like, she can get whatever she wants from him. So she, she brings the fat schlubby guy over over to them. Turns out that guy is a cop who's on bad dude's payroll. And it's like, okay, let's retire to the private lounge for a private conversation. So this leads to one of like the most horrifying aspects of this movie. Yeah, because like, l- something that was like legitimately in Game of Thrones as like a really fucked up moment. Because like it's 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 just this weird jarring shift in tone just momentarily where uh, Verone is trying to set up a, a way for him to get his you know his 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 money and his drugs out of the city without the cops knowing. So he decides to strong arm this dirty cop into making sure that this works, but also uh, surreptitiously intimidating the, the new duos into not fucking with him. So what he does, he has uh, the fat cop played by Bart Boone Jr., who you might know from 30 Days a Night or Sons of Anarchy. I can see it. So he, t- he takes he takes a blowtorch, a bucket, and a rat. 
and they stick it, they rip his shirt open, they put it on his stomach, and then, you know, basically threaten to heat up the pail so the rat will get hot, try to get out, and, like, dig his way through his belly. Yeah, burrow through a living person. Like I said, that... That they killed people like that in fucking Game of Thrones. <laughs> so like he he's like he's strong arming the guy. He's like, hey, if, uh, we're gonna have to just come rat in your belly if you don't cooperate, and we're gonna send the rat to eat your family too. And so like he, the guy caves and he gives in. He he'll make a way for to keep the police blockade away so he gets all the the drugs and goods out of the city. He'll give him a fifteen minute window. A fifteen minute window, and then uh, Roman's like, what the fuck is up with this guy? Uh, we shouldn't be doing this, man. He's crazy. Yeah, and, and and then it's like this weird conflict because then they're like, he's like, did you see you see how uh, fucking Eva and Mendez was looking at? She was getting off to it, and I'm just like, I didn't see jack shit. She was kind of stoic the entire time. And she's kind of stoic for a good bit of the movie. Yeah, which I I don't think is all on her. No, it's it's more it's more so like. When you don't really have much to do other than to sort of stand around, you look kind of stoic too. Yeah, she just looks fucking bored. <laughs> and honestly, I don't blame her. So uh, after this, it, like things get kind of jumbled. Like there's a scene because they go back to Tej's garage, and because that's where they're staying is at this like little boathouse. Yeah, because Tej has a because his garage is on the river, and there's a boathouse that he's that they're staying at. And I feel like they're trying to they're trying to rationalize. Oh wow, this is getting pretty hot and heavy right now. But also, we we need to do this so both of our rap sheets get you know wiped clean, which is why they're in a whole, this whole conversation to begin with, so they can just kind of get away scot free from like their past mistakes. Yeah. So they they go back to the little boatfront property, and Ava Mendes shows up in like a fucking midriff tank top. Yeah, which is like. Because she's all dressed in the night, but suddenly she's just like, I got my baseball shirt on, but it's tied underneath my boobies. <laughs> yeah, and she she comes to warn them that, surprise, surprise, Verone's going to kill them when they do their job. What? The drug lord's going to double-cross them? What? The bastard. So, uh, so she's like, oh yeah, they didn't see me, I snuck out. Smash cut to two of Verone's goons right outside the door looking for them. And just like, oh fuck. Because you have, like, um, another kind of loser loser dude, and also... The, but what, but one of the, the, the goons looks like Handsome Squidward. He does. His, like, head is so bulbous, it's like two-thirds of a circle. <laughs> it's like it kind of peeks out over his ears. Like, he's just this... They're both just gruff, badass dudes, but I, I, once I made that connection in my head, it's like, wow, he looks even more silly. Yeah. Tyrese is mad. It's like, she's here again. Yeah, so then they, you know, they have to hide her. Uh, they, she and they end up escaping, but then they they have a confrontation with the two goons. That is like, <laughs> it, it's unironically like the scene in the office where they have the the finger guns pointing at each other. Like Brian gets a gun and he's pointing at one guy, and then the other guy has a gun at Tyrese. And, and they're just screaming, put the gun down! Put the gun down! No, you put the gun down! Ah! But it's funny because before this scene, Tyrese is having like this great, like, off the top of his head, just like banter bullshit, kind of like picking at the goons for just showing up out of nowhere. And then it cuts to them, like, w- like yelling at each other over these guns with more, like, like 
fear and urgency that I've ever seen them uh, put out in the movie. Where they're like frantically put the gun down, <laughs> just like just <laughs> it's like, and and it builds to this fucking crescendo of just like a cacophony of just toxic male screaming, just male screeching, and then you know of course old Tony Montana light comes up. And he's like, oh, cut it off. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you're going to ride with my two boys. You're going to get my dirty money. And then we're going to go to the rendezvous point. Yeah, so some other stuff happens. Yeah, because uh, as they're getting ready to go do that, they have one <laughs> last meetup with Ted, Suki, and the gang. It's like, okay, we got to finalize our plan. We get, we got our we got our uh cars we know what we got to do we got to go get the money so here's the secret plan they start like whispering and it cuts to like them walking around getting a scope on some places they'll come into the importance later yeah so they hop in the car with the two goons they go down to like some dirt trailer park yeah and then the goons bust open a, a wall to get all the the money out which is like this is which is another this is it's it, it to this movie, but it's just funny that these guys literally have thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash. They stuff it in the d- duffel bags and just toss it around like it's full of styrofoam where they should be probably weighing hundreds of pounds because money is heavy. Yeah, like, I mean, these are all like swolesome dudes, but like, you can't just toss a $200 bag of money just like it's full of like paper. I mean, regular paper. Yeah, well, I mean, so yeah, they. They throw it and they in the back and then they're on their way. And, and something we forgot to mention earlier, there there's a scene earlier where right before all this stuff goes down where Brian and uh, Roman are having a heart to heart and it was like, you know, he's like I he's like I didn't rat you out, my dude, blah blah blah. And then and then we get the the reason why Roman is hungry. The entire movie. He's stealing people's uh, burritos. He's marching in a random chocolate bar, which we assume he just found on the pier. Yeah, because that's how that's where they find everything that they weren't disclosed with in the scene before. It's just in the dirt, and it's just like, oh, look at this. Yeah. So like, he's like, oh, the the food on the inside fucking sucks. You know, I just want to eat as much food out here as I can before we inevitably go to jail. Blah blah blah. Smash cut back to the the plot. Yeah, that, that's our that's us smash cutting back to the plot, not the movie. Yeah, exactly. So we smash cut back to the plot, and so they're driving along, and uh, the guy does ultimately doesn't give them the fifteen minute window. The uh, the cop he 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 decides, you know, it, it's better that he you know stick up for his morals, I guess, whatever morals those be. And so the local police department gets involved, which fucks with everybody. Because you just had like a swarm of cop cars just like roll into town and the, the roll towards the the, uh, the the dirt trailer park. So they're just like, oh, fuck, the cops. And so like Tyrese has a quick moment of thinking where he uh, puts the cinder block in, in one of their go-go trucks and just like plows it through the, through the cops and they all kind of scurry away with the money uh, with one... But Tyrese and one of the goons and then Paul Walker and Hanson Squidward in the other car with the money split up and just start going off down the road and you just had like fucking like cartoon comedy cops just like spilling off the side of the road just like just zipping around trying to chase them. And then then we see the return of the sci fi claw launcher bazookas. Yeah, it's the fucking 
normal Miami police department and their fucking helicopters. And they end up shooting Paul Walker's car. And he has to do this thing where he works with old handsome Squidward to pull it out. Pull the little thing out. But, but he got, it's a racist at the time because if once all three prongs activate, it deactivates the cars. You just have like the one cop and the, and the hel- helicopter. And he's like looking at his screen. He's like, one prong, two. He's ready to go. And he, they managed to pry it out and flick it at some other guy's car. And it was just like promptly fucks up the whole chase sequence. He's just, his car fries and then like 15 cars crash into his ass. Yeah, so um, they get to this area where they met with Tej earlier. And, and meanwhile, like, the, you, you know, the, the feds are paying attention to this as well. So they're like, oh, fuck, how are they? They got him cornered. What the fuck we're going to do? So then it's a bunch of, like, garage doors. Then they open and just a fucking tsunami of just trucks and cars and shit just go everywhere. Because, like, because Paul and... Tyree, we never call them by their actual character name in this goddamn show, but like, this is this is the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, they they ride into the garage and open and close, and then literally like you kick over an ant hill, like two hundred candy colored cars just come spilling out, and it's like apparently Tez got everybody who came to his street racing to get a car and start driving off. But then we see this familiar face. We see Slapjack. We see Orange Julius. We see um, Suki's girl gang. They all drive out in their cars and just scramble the police. So they, they lose them, but they think they found them. So they pull them over. And who's in these cars? Tej and Suki. It's like what well, they had. A, they swapped the cars because uh, now uh, Brian and Roman they're in the, the the muscle cars that they they won in the in that second race. So they're driving off towards the rendezvous point, which is at an airport. Which is why they ha- they have the other Fed stationed at the airport ready to jump. But then uh, things start to get a little fuzzy because we're getting close. They know they're about to be double crossed. They think there's going to be shenanigans. But because one of the uh, the goons tries to attack uh, Roman, Roman's like psych bitch hits a button and launches his ass out of the car with with nice power to ejector seat. Uh, bye, bitch. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> just like bye. And so um, they're gonna be like, hey, we're just gonna take the money and fuck the bad guy. But then Paul Walker's about to blow Handsome Squibber out of the car. But then he's like, okay. And then Handsome is like, okay. Go over here, down this road. It's like, wait a minute, we're going to meet in the airport. It's like, we never said anything about meeting at an airport. And then so he eases off the, the trigger button. It goes off to like this shady little port where we see Verone and Eva Mendez and the rest of the, of the bad guys crew there. It's like, wait a minute, what's all this about? Yeah, and turns out that he only told one person about the airport. And that was Ava Mendez. It's like, oh. It was a bad guy. It was a swerve. So he figured out Ava was with the feds the whole time. So he scoops her, scoops her bored ass up out of the car with just a shotgun. He just pulls out of his ass. Like, literally, he just he drops his pants and just pulls it out of his butthole. <laughs> because, like, he didn't have that shotgun when he walked out of the car. And suddenly he just has this fat-ass gun just pointed at her head. And so, fuck. Paul Walker calls Cyrus over the over the walkie-talkie. He's like, "Oh man, we got tricked. Get back over here!" So he fires his car all the way over there, and like he gets into a big scuffle with Hanson Squibbard, and it, like he doesn't take a punch for anything. He just won't sell. He they literally have to stomp his <laughs> ass out in the dirt before he they finally be like, oh, "Oh wait, we got to catch the boat that the bad guys getting away on." 
Yeah, so then, you know, Tyree shows up. And, you know, it's like an Indiana Jones. Da, 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 da. So uh, uh, Tyrese and Paul Walker get in the car and they're like, oh, fuck. How? And, and Tyrese looks at Paul Walker. He's like, I don't you're not going to do what I think you're going to do. I'm totally going to do what you think you're going what you think I'm going to do. So they fucking ramp up. They crash into the boat, which apparently was in one take. Yeah, because uh, they, they, they didn't want to mash the whole boat because they had one take to Dukes of Hazard this car up into the air and, and to meet the boat and crash. But apparently they replaced a lot of the top parts of the boat with plastic so they, it wouldn't be as much to reconstruct. But one take, one and done, they fucking ride that car into the boat and smash the top of it. And everybody's just like, oh, I'm so fucked up. Tyrese is like, I broke my arm. And Paul Walker's like, I might have broke my head. Yeah, so there, there's ultimately a shootout. They shoot the bad guy, but he doesn't die. The feds show up. Everything's hunky-dory. Yeah, they, they save the day. Because the, the bad guy goes down with not a fight at all. No, nah, he just gets shot once, and he, he just goes down like a little bitch. <laughs> but he's just like, yeah, I might be getting arrested, but we'll see you again soon, kid. And it's like, nah. Nah, we won't ever see you again. Nah. <laughs> Swerve. He He's the the whole villain this entire time. Yeah, yeah, imagine if his ass rolls up in Fast and Furious 10. It's like, I'm back for revenge, uh... Tyrese when he just has like his bionic shoulder with like a robot arm about to flex and punch somebody. I wouldn't put it past him. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, because another fancy booking for uh, Fast and Furious 10, they just use like um, like Doctor Strange portals and like everybody who's ever driven a car in the Fast and Furious just roll peels out to ready for the big race to end all races. And instead of the uh, Avengers assemble line, Vin Diesel looks at the camera and says, Family, let's go. It's like, I don't have friends. I have family. <laughs> I live my life a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> what does that mean, Vin Diesel? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, they talk with Dexter's dad. And it's like, so, our records are clean. He's like, you held, up your end of, you held up your end of the bargain. Your records are clean. And so, they're like, well, we were going to rip you off. But here's the extra bags of money that have the rest of the evidence. And they're like, and it's like, y'all are some cool dudes. And then then they walk off and then they start talking and turns out their pockets ain't empty. Oh, was it it the thing they said earlier in the movie? It's a a little throwback. And so like Tyrese pulls up his shirt and he's like, his pants are just like loaded down with these fat wads of cash. And then... Credits, I think, right? Yeah, that's 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 the end of it. They uh, they saved the day. They didn't get the girl, surprisingly. Yeah, she just kind of just fucks off. <laughs> just like, well, I didn't want to have sex with you anyway. Bye. Yeah, so you know, you know, they it's like we're going to open a garage together. Blah blah blah. Spoiler alert: that doesn't happen. <laughs> but unless there's some interpol that we haven't been made privy to yet. So they they saved the day. They got the money. They're they're getting the way to live their life of uh, law, slightly law-abiding hoodlums. So that comes to the end of the movie, and it, which I guess leads to our sort of final thoughts, final impressions, ultimate uh, sort of resolutions with the film. So what did you think of Too Fast, Too Furious? It was. It's not a good movie. I'll say that. Like, cause the first one, you know, the more I think about it, you know, it, it's a, it's a solid movie. It's not great, but it's, you know, it's good. 
This one is definitely bad. It's not good. But that being said, it is so fun. Like in a lot of ways, even more so than the first movie, just because of the 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 abundance of fun, stupid shit. Like we hungry, smack that ass. It's a oasis in here. Like, come on, that, that's like three t-shirts waiting to happen right there. I, I, I I'd be surprised they weren't made it. So if not, we have to call Teesprings now or something. Yeah, yeah. T. Uh, but. I, like like we said, like there is there's still a lot of fun to be had in this one, but I do feel like its shortcomings are even more obvious when compared even to to the first one. Yeah, which it's just so it's just so it's to me like it, it's not enough to like hamper your enjoyment, but like I can't really give it that same sort of fun nod like I could the first one because like there are like some some kind of really clunky parts of the movie. Yeah, like I'm. I mean, I it, I wouldn't recommend this to someone who's not already invested in this franchise, you know. And they've already they've already watched it by now, or, or at the very least, like has a level of sort of detachment. They can have fun with the bad with a bad movie, because like I can see where this could be like just insipid and just painful to watch too. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're. If you don't find, like, the stuff we find funny, yeah, I can imagine this would just be fucking mind-numbingly awful experience. But I don't regret watching it. No. I don't regret buying it on Blu-ray. I mean, it was, like, fucking $5. I'm not going to complain. Yeah, that's, that's not that's not money you're really going to regret. But ultimately, i probably give it, like, very appropriately a 2 and- the same, five. the same, and and like I had more detailed thoughts on Letterboxd. If you want to read that, um, I don't know. It, it was like I said, it's fun. It, it's oddly not as much as Tokyo Drift that we'll get to next time, but this one is oddly more like so segregate, segregate from the rest of the franchise. I mean, you could watch it as a little of a standalone. Yeah, honestly, because it does because it, it feels so much in a vacuum yeah because like it's not connected to any of the like the previous or the later movies it has a completely different tone and different style altogether so if you just want like a bad a fun bad movie check this one out it it it, you won't be disappointed in that regard that's right and and what we said earlier in the show like as sort of clunky as this one is the bright spots really are sort of like there there are some fun like driving and action in it and like, like we said, uh, Paul Walker and Tyrese—they have a genuine fun chemistry in the movie that that really carries through, and like, and it, it, that that makes the movie a, even that much easier to go through. Yeah, exactly. But but ultimately, I mean, the unironic fun parts are significantly outweighed by the un like the ironically funny bits. So you know, that's too fast, too furious, too hungry. Too fast, too furious, uh, too ready for the next installment. Yes, because you ready? Because that fucking soundtrack gonna be bopping. No, not to give too much away, but Tokyo Drift was is fun. So look forward to that one in uh, in in a month's time. So thank you all for listening to this episode of the Fast and Furious Files. We do appreciate join us on this on this new journey to another episode nine, and we hope you enjoy the rest of the ride. 
So you can follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, any RSS feed catcher. We're there. We're giving out our our story and our banter. Be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe on all those platforms. It really helps us out, keeps the show going, and just really keeps the show alive. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AYCH Podcast. You can follow us on Letterboxd. And Facebook, a dog in here, and follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash all you can hear. And follow us on YouTube as well, also at all you can hear. You can follow me, Patrick, on Instagram and Twitter at John Lost's Name. Follow my art on Facebook at John Lost's Name Art. And my name is Jonathan. You can follow me on Twitter at J O N I I B O I 24 and John Unson 12 on Letterboxd. And everybody, make sure you visit your local Oasis and you smack that ass. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody. We'll be talking to you soon. Vroom, vroom.